We are back for a new episode of the NBA Report Podcast. Of course, I am Jason Floyd. That is my guy, Daniel Galvaz. We're here to talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. And Daniel, don't know if you realize this, first time in 18 weeks, we don't have a UFC event to talk about here on the podcast. And you know what? I can't even enjoy it. Uh, I can't even enjoy it. In fact, I was planning on maybe going to Austin this weekend for like a vacation type situation and your boy can't even enjoy it. Um, this is something where if you're squeamish, don't look at the visual, but I went to a wrestling event uh, this past weekend and somehow, which is whenever I don't wrestle is I'm the one who always gets hurt. So, um, uh, we, after the show, I was tearing down the ring. The ring is made out of like metal, rusted metal, by the way. And I grabbed a metal bar and the other person who was holding onto the bar accidentally dropped it. And no hard feelings. Accidents happen in life. And um, my finger got caught in between the bar and the frame of the ring. And it cut it so bad. Um, so bad. Meanwhile, we have former WWE superstar Ricardo Rodriguez at the event. And he's staying with me at my house for the night. He was the ring announcer for Alberto Del Rio, and he's just a brilliant uh, professional wrestling mind and a great wrestler, main event of the show. Anyways, I look at my hand, just bleeding everywhere. I'm like, oh, my God, this is not a normal cut. I go to the bathroom. Um, there's a nurse there who's involved, and she takes care of me. And I look at the cut, and I'm like, this is bad. So I have to go to the ER. So I go to the ER with Ricardo Rodriguez from WWE. Uh, I, I do ask my dad to pick him up. I get stitches the whole time I'm getting stitches. The doctor stitching my finger up is saying, Ooh, this is going to be ugly. This is. I, this I, should, is. I, should, I shouldn't laugh, <laughs> but that's just funny. I, you, yeah. Sometimes you got to laugh at these life moments. Oh, well, yeah. I was, I was laughing inside, but also like the whole time I was like, I'm going to keep my finger until the doctor starts being like, oh, this is going to be ugly. Oh, total tissue loss. This tissue is just dead. And I'm just like, doctor, am I going to lose my finger? I don't care if it's going to be ugly. I just need to know if I'm going to have a ring finger. And he's just like, yeah, you'll have your finger. So he stitches me up, but a portion of my skin is just gone and just died. So I have an open wound despite having the stitches, which means you got to avoid an infection or else I'm going to be really screwed. Um, so I'm going to show the camera. It's kind of hard to tell. Oof. Focus. Yeah, I see it. It's I see bad. it. That's yeah, pretty so, bad. That's pretty bad. So, like, over here, just there's just no skin covering it. Um, so, yeah, that's the situation. I just am staying in my room. It's pretty sad. Pretty sad laugh. I'm catching up on a lot of Netflix and just slowly, slowly waiting for this wound to heal, which takes a very long time. So that's my life, Jason. Can't even enjoy the UFC free weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh I will enjoy a UFC free weekend because I'll be in New Orleans this weekend. So oh, uh, oh man, you know, I'll be getting me some charboard oysters this weekend in New Orleans. Uh, send I'm me some. Send me some in the mail. Brother, so so damn good. I I can look in and I, I I growing up my parents would eat raw oysters and I was like, Oh, that's disgusting. But I don't know, probably about 10 years ago in New Orleans, like, you got to have these charboy oysters. I'm like, all right. And then I'm like, oh, these are fucking delicious. <laughs> and yeah, uh, literally, literally, me and my boys, we, we have one or two spots to go to. We either go to Drago's, which is, you know, the, the you know, very happening place to be. But, you know, if you don't get there early enough, and I'm not getting to New Orleans till later on, on Saturday, you may not be able to get in there. But there's another place off 
a bourbon street called Royal House at just as excellent. And literally, well, it, it was five of us. We'll all go in there. We'll go, uh, we'll have uh, 10 dozen uh, oysters. <laughs> 120 oysters <laughs> is what you're asking for. 120 oysters. That is crazy. It, bro, it's so good. And then, uh, you know, might get some alligator bites, you know? I mean, you know, it's not necessarily a, a, a dish that you may be able to find here in the Tampa Bay area. I don't know if you may be able to find that down. I'm guessing by the look on your face, um, no, you probably don't get that in Rio Grande. No, no, that sounds good, though. Sounds good. I feel like it's something they would label as alligator bites down here, but it would just be chicken. Tastes like it chicken. Wouldn't be. Tastes like chicken. But yeah, it, it, yeah it, it's excellent, man. It's uh, And then, I mean, look. LSU is playing on Saturday night uh, on the road against Ole Miss, so you, you know there'll probably be some uh, interesting sights on Bourbon Street on Saturday night. So uh, New Orleans always a uh, always a fun place for me to go. So that's what I'll be doing uh, this weekend. So so looking forward to that. Uh, but you know, it, it's one of these kind of you know as we mentioned, it's a weird weekend in May because we have no UFC event. Uh, Bellator, of course, they had their event last week and. Of course, I guess we'll talk a little bit about Bellator a little bit later. We'll talk about PFL later as uh, I guess they've uh, fumbled the bag a little bit this week with their event over in Paris. But, man, you know, Daniel, there, there's just there's so many things going on, and there's certain things you see on MMA social media, and that's where I want to start the show. And so, I don't know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners may have seen this because this is a story, I mean, I feel like when we talk about UFC ticket prices, Daniel, we've been talking about this for Six months, if not more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we're one of the few you know podcasts out there that have been really out there talking about like, hey, newsflash, it ain't cheap to go to a UFC event anymore. I mean, it, it's just not. And so, and and the reason I bring this up was there was a tweet from Jared Gordon. For people watching on video, you can see these tweets. Uh, and, and Jared Gordon goes, these are the discount tickets I got through UFC for my fight at MSG for some family and friends. UFC has some loyal fans to sell out for an arena close to 20000 Some odd seat prices for higher than these. I love you all. And he ends up buying five tickets that costs uh, just over 2000 a piece, seven tickets, a little over 1200 a piece, and then five tickets were just over 600 a piece. Of course, so we, we've talked about the, the $600 is really the, the cheap ticket to get in there. And so Bloody Elbow ends up putting out this tweet that can be perceived in, in various ways. And Jared Gordon responds to it, says, what the fuck is this? I said I was grateful to the UFC for making this happen and the fans for supporting us. UFC gives us four free tickets, but I had more friends and family wanted to come. Is MSG supposed to give tickets away for everyone that wants to come? Journalist sucks these days. And because uh, the Buddy Elbow tweet was talking about how Jared Gordon paid nearly $22,000 for 17 tickets for UFC 295. Uh, Buddy Elbow ends up responding to Jared Gordon saying the story, is the prices no one twisted your words or misrepresented you no one said you were ungrateful you shared publicly these prices are just high and another tweet from buddy elbow says no one thinks you were complaining and you were careful not to imply that just crazy how expensive it is fans aren't aware sometimes sorry for any confusion dms are open if you have any issues good luck in your fight and when i i saw the buddy elbow tweet i was like and this is a thing of perception and reality. And Buddy Elbow used to be one of my favorite websites to go to. But, like, there's times where I see the way they tweet things, Daniel, and I'm just like, do you realize how, like, negative you come off of? Like, I understand where Jerry Gordon was coming from. And, like, and that's the type of stuff I see in 
2023 version of of media that it's about what's going to get eyeballs and clicks. And I just look at Bloody Elbow and go, guys, you got to look yourself in the mirror and understand the way you're coming off. Yeah, and they were careful not to use language, but we are in a culture where even without the use of the language, that's kind of the perception of that message in the first place. Because we do live in a world where UFC fighters are very underpaid, and that's a true reality we all talk about. So even... We all are thinking that when we see that initial tweet from Bloody Elbow that it comes from that perspective, even though they don't use those words, because that's kind of the reality we live in, right? Like, like we know what Endeavor and UFC are doing. Jason, if I go to a Dana White's Contender Series and I just sit in the crowd, I might end the night with a contract with the UFC, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just there. <laughs> Had two people lose last this past Tuesday and they got contracts. Where the fight's good, yes. One of them dude lost 30-27. UFC's trying to not pay fighters very much. $22,000 is more money than some fighters make when you take out all the deductions it costs yeah. and the taxes. So that's kind of the world we live in. So even though Bloody Elbow was careful not to use language to twist Jared's words, it's still the environment in which we live in. And and I, and I do think that's what that tweet was trying to capitalize on. Um, Bloody Elbow does have a fair point. Those are pretty astonishing. I mean, to think $22,000, just Jason, I'm a, I'm a, you know, an aspiring pro wrestler. If I make it to be in Madison Square Garden, I'm not going to spend $22,000 on my family and friends to watch me. I will spend $500 tops. So we're getting two nosebleed tickets. So it is crazy, but it is worth what you're saying is true, and, and it's not just a bloody elbow problem. It's a social media problem. That's just the way social media accounts produce content, and the reason why they do it is that it works when it comes to getting engagement. I mean, look at the algorithm. Look at the For You Twitter Twitter thing. It becomes a cesspool of just the most controversial things on your timeline and complaining. I don't know. Maybe that's just my Twitter for you. Maybe your Twitter for you is really positive, but mine is not. It's the same. I mean, a lot of it's MMA, a lot of it's NFL. I mean, I, I mean, look, I'll tell you, if we're talking about for the algorithm, I guess we just talk about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. We'll get right in that algorithm today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because yeah. I, I have seen so it's. Dude, we should just I, I was title saying, the podcast Tra Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey. Do yeah. that. Let's just talk. Let's just do 25 minutes on that. I, I just so I'll tell you I yeah with the with the Bucks playing this past Monday so Sunday I was home I was on the couch and and I, I was watch, I was taking in all the NFL and then you know Sunday night um you know sitting there watching a Sunday night game and I'm just like going through my Instagram feed going through my TikTok feed and I'm like everything is Travis Kelsey and, and I'm sitting there going hey did we play any games today did did a team score 70 points and the head coach could have gotten the record and said no i'm just gonna kneel on the ball that's hilarious the team scored 70 points and that's all we're talking about but dude i mean I, that I, is... I will say this the best thing i saw on twitter on sunday it was paraphrasing what the tweet was it was says i didn't have my 2023 bingo card Taylor Swift at a football game yelling, let's fucking go. Yeah, that is not something on my bingo card. I thought if Taylor Swift was going to be involved in football, she would be doing the halftime show. Instead, it's going to be Usher. 
But yeah, she is giving the NFL all the uh, marketing money that they would have spent but, on that halftime show each and every week. She's going to be in the Jets. And uh, I mean, look, she is like the most popular singer right now. I mean, she hey. she is the biggest celebrity right now in America. Hey, look, to tie this into mixed martial arts, okay? How are you going to do that? I'm just going to say, Travis Kelsey took his shot. <laughs> it appears... The, the the basketball went in the bucket. I'm just saying, MMA fighters, you might want to shoot your shot with a well-known celebrity. You never know. I know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, you could uh, you could become a pay-per-view draw if you make you shoot your shot correctly. I mean, the thing is, Travis Kelsey may in fact get some shrapnel at the end of this relationship. Things do not usually hey, work hey, out hey, with the uh, look. Look, hey, Trav. Are you trying to be the next album? He's he's gonna be just his. It's gonna be what's his number? What's his football jersey? Is it eighty seven? Yeah, his, his album's gonna be called eighty seven. <laughs> no, 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 no. The best thing was I saw this video. I think it was one of the Barstool Sports guys, and so they're showing this video of there's this guy in a Chiefs jersey wearing a number 37 Chiefs jersey, and he's drinking a Michelob Ultra. And they're going, this guy's got a very important decision to make. He clearly has no clue what's happening two rows behind him in the suite. If she comes to every Chiefs home game, how big of a Chiefs fan are you? Because all of a sudden, some Swifties might be willing to pay a lot of money for that seat. I know, I know. That's true. That's so true. Those are gonna be those seats are gonna be selling for twenty two thousand dollars. Actually, yeah. You, now you, could, like, you could then then you could go to UFC two ninety five. I mean, look, it's and and we've talked about this subject. It is, I think, for a a good portion of the mixed martial arts fan going to a UFC. I mean, let's just be honest about a UFC premium event, because for the most part, the, the events that have fans in front of them are just pay-per-views every once in a while you get a fight night card that's in there. But like, I'm not spending $600 to sit in nosebleeds. I'm sorry. I would rather sit at home and just throw a dope ass party with my buds. Yeah. I mean, think about that last pay-per-view we had and you spend a lot of money on that one would suck. And, you gotta if you're gonna spend that much money, it's gonna have to be a special event for me to spend that much money in those bleeds. Like we're talking like one of one, and obviously I'm not gonna travel to United Arab Emirates in this October. It's a little too short notice for me, but that would be the type of card where it's like, okay, I would maybe be willing to part with a significant amount of dough to watch Mahachev, Oliveira, Costa, and Shamayev to see the rest of that card. It's a pretty damn good card, yeah. and. It's going to be that type of car that gets me to spend six hundred dollars. It's okay, you see two ninety five. I may maybe maybe for that one too. John Jones in the building. So we're only talking about basically four events a year where I would justify spending that much. But I mean, think about you know Grasso and Shevchenko. That car, that's a lot of money. I would much rather be in my room watching the fights with my friends, especially because we live in a sports landscape where it's not just the UFC that's on, but it's college football that's on. And I want to have that on my other screens. And so, yeah, I mean, that's just the landscape we live in. It's incredibly expensive. Man, Endeavor's making a big profit. And um, it's good to be in the UFC business if you aren't a fighter. I mean, the one thing that even though some of these fight night cards are you know, on paper not thrilling to you to sit at home on a Saturday night, 
with these pay-per-view events, the UFC does try to stack the deck. I mean, if you look at UFC 296, which, of course, will be December 16th uh, in Las Vegas, headlined by Leon Edwards for, uh, defending the title against Colby Covington, flyweight title on the line in, in the co-main event of Alexander Pantoja and Brand Royval. But, you know, when you look at some of the other fights that have been announced for this car, Shakat Rahmanov versus Stephen Thompson, Tony Ferguson versus Patty Pemblet, Vicente Luque versus Ian Gary. I mean, it's, it's a very nice car. We'll talk about uh, the Tony yeah, and Patty, Patty booking here. There's another in, topic in, right there. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in, in a little bit here. But, I mean, like, look, if, you know, I, I look at UFC 296, and, and once again, look, I'm not going to drop $600 for nosebleeds. That's just, just not what I'm going you know, to do. But it is, and the one thing in – I mean, look, you, you're you're in the professional wrestling world. Like, if I if I was a like like for instance, the Royal Rumble is coming to Tropicana Field in January. I'm looking at these UFC ticket prices and the fact that the UFC and WWE are they are the same company now under TKO. Like, I'm sitting there going, how much is it going to? I I I want to go to Royal Rumble. I want to go. I, you know, look, look, I'm not that person. I'm not sitting in front of my television set every Monday and and Friday night and, and these premium events. I, I catch the WWE every now and then. I, you know, I, I watch, you know, there, there's some, you know, storylines I do like to kind of pay attention to that I think the WWE is doing some really great writing on. But I'm sitting there going, if the UFC ticket prices are this, how long is it until you start to see the WWE go with these type of ticket prices? I'm sure not a long time. I think it's going to be a similar philosophy and the philosophy is the type of people that are going to go to Royal Rumble are a big portion of people that are going to go to Royal Rumble will go for a higher price because they love the product that much a big portion they're going to go to the UFC love the product that much they're willing to purchase those tickets to get in the building and it's probably a philosophy that you can find in musician acts and different entertainment ticket sold things so absolutely Jason I would say buy your tickets as soon as possible before they skyrocket um, I literally, I got the marketing email when they announced it saying, Hey, you know, sign up for this newsletter to get the pre-sale code. Yeah. Once I get it, I'm going to see what it is. And I'm expecting a very high number. Let's just say that I'm yeah. not expect, you know, and it's just like, and that's, I mean, look, and, and I think we all know in this world over the past couple of years, everything has gone up in price for the most part. I mean, no matter what it is, you know, it, it all goes up and I just, you know, and I just think it's a, you know, it's one of those things where I just think it's, I mean, it's, it's tough, but at the end of the day, the UFC is, it's supply and demand. It's a basic business principle here. And, and these tickets are not going to go down. They're only going to keep going up. And I yeah, just, people are going. Yeah. I mean, a, as long as people are going, but like, I just feel like for that per, and maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel like a majority of the people who are tu- who are going to tune in next Saturday night to watch Grant Dawson versus Bobby Green, if you sat there and said, hey, it's going to cost you a minimum of $600 just to get into the door for a UFC event, and once again, maybe I'm wrong here, but I just feel like a lot of those fans would say, nah, man, I'll, uh, I'll sit at home and watch it. Yeah. That's true. The thing is, you only need 15,000 people, 20,000 people, 10,000 people to say yes. And and so they've made that calculation. Yes, the majority of our viewing audience will not spend that much money. But there's that small portion of people that will for that one-time thing, especially those that live in the Las Vegas area that are going to go out to the T-Mobile arena 
So, and, and to make, and the craziest thing is, you know, you got a lot of site fee deals to go along with. So you're already a made promotion before you sell a single ticket. I mean, again, it, it, it's crazy. It is impressive from a business standpoint. There is a moral ethical standpoint where you're like, damn, these fighters are still getting paid this much money. But uh, Endeavor is a really good business for the stockholders. There's no, there's no if, and, or buts about it. They have figured this thing out of how to make the most money for the people on top. Yeah, I mean, I know Buddy Elwa has a story basically about how much Ari Emanuel was making from this this merger. Maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe I saw $40 million or something like that. But Mike Baum, who's a great reporter for MMA Junkie, he had this tweet where uh, he quoted the Jerry Gordon tweet about you know how much you know he spent for tickets, and he said the UFC is going to easily clear $100 million in total gate revenue for 2023 by the time the MSG card rolls around. Current number is around $95 million with nine events left on the schedule. When I saw this tweet, very first thought I had was, and and look, not trying to be negative here, it was just the very first thought I had. Is fighter payroll near $100 million this year for the UFC? I definitely don't think so. Is it bad that that's the very first thought that came to my mind when I saw this tweet? Yeah. And it's crazy to think about. That's just one source of revenue, and the biggest source of revenue is probably the TV deal that that they got with ESPN. They, these fighters are getting screwed. I mean, there's just, just no way. I mean, that's the labor, right? Like people are watching the fights for the fighters, and there's no other way to say it. They are not getting a fair percentage of revenue from this promotion, and it's it's the promotion does a great job of treating fighters well. They do plenty of things right. But, like, straight up, dude, there needs to be a union for these fighters to get what they deserve because the UFC and Endeavor has no incentive to give them a bigger portion of the pie. There's no thing that is forcing them to make that decision. Literally the only two people, two types of things that would force the UFC's hand would be a union or the United States government. (laughs) That would be the other one. Because... If I'm a businessman, I'm not going to be nice and give extra money to my labor when I'm not being forced to. So there really should be a union, and and there won't be for a long time because we still have people that aren't interested in in that. And and you're going to need a unified front to, to do such a thing. And that is something where there's just way too much division as well as the UFC has really good power when it comes to feeling threatening to maybe someone who would consider starting a union you would you'd feel like hey maybe there'll be some repercussions if i do this yeah i i feel like it and if and like you i don't think it's ever going to happen but if it were to happen i almost feel like it might be the wwe performers and the ufc fighters coming together at this point yeah yeah and there's been a couple of times in the history of, the, of pro wrestling where they've tried to do unions, not 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 fully fled situations, but uh, certainly I think that's possible. I think it really is, but it would require superstars at the very top willing to make that concession. And the thing is, the superstars are taken care of in both organizations financially. Obviously, not at the highest level. I mean, you look at the amount of money Nate Diaz is making outside of the UFC versus what he made inside. There's still more money to be made if you're Nate Diaz or Francis Ngannou outside the UFC. 
but by and large, the superstars are paid pretty well. I, I think in when we talk about how much fires are making, I think it, when you're in the UFC, I, I think it's about trying to maximize while you're in the UFC of the platform you're on to make money outside of that platform. And, and yeah. I think you're seeing more and more fires. Now, by the way, I, I know we really didn't talk about maybe talking a ton about what happened last week in MMA with UFC Vegas 79 and Bellator 299. By the way, I'm pretty sure I went 2-1 and one. my best bets last week. My only loss being Raphael Fiziev. Uh, as I, I did have Johnny Edwin winning inside the distance, and, and I had uh, Charles Jourdain on, on the money line there. But um, who had the more awkward moment last week is my question. John McCarthy or Michael Bisping? <laughs> For Play those it. who are not aware, if you did not see the post-fight interview with Baz <laughs> Burnell, just go into YouTube, search Mad Burnell post-fight interview. It's up on the Bellator YouTube channel. Just saying. You can see what it what it was about. And then, of course, we all, by the way, feel really bad for Danny Ige because he just looked super uncomfortable. By the way, uh, I thought Ben Folks had the best line as he's talking about Bryce Mitchell and his Bible, saying that that Bible looked like it's never been read, like he just pulled out of the uh, hotel dresser and, and brought it to uh, with him. And, and Danny Ige, like, bro, he was so, you know, there were producers in Michael Bisming's heads, ears and also in John McCarthy's headset going, get out of there, get out of there, get out of there, get out of there. You you know that was happening, Daniel. You know it was. Yeah, I don't know why Mads Burnell is talking about hurting people's backs when you're a Bro, You know, you, if you're you, if you're oh, head first off, no no no. Could you imagine if you're Mads Burnell's lady and your guys on TV talk about how he wants to break your back? She's like, bro, you fight at 145, okay? Maybe if you were a lot heavier weight, we could have a different discussion. But, you know, factually, get your I – mean, yeah. Look, yeah, look, I, I, I'm just, I'm, look, I'm just saying, Daniel, a little bit of advice here. You, you, you probably shouldn't make that your, your post, post-wrestling promo. I, I feel like your girl might go, oh, really, huh? Oh, really? Yeah, well, no. you, do it if, you do it if you want to be a bad guy, which he did get the reaction, which felt really uncalled for given the fact that his opponent, Daniel Weichel, was retiring. And it kind of, the mood was kind of off. But as we say goodbye to the great career of a longtime veteran and Daniel Weichel. But dude, Dominic Cruz is fighting all cylinders. I mean, Jesus. Oh, man, no pun intended. Uh, whenever Fazeev got injured, and he's like, <laughs> Bryce Mitchell prayer in the back. I just died. I was like, oh, my God, that is hilarious. But, you know, I, I, I actually dig it. I think it's hilarious. I think it's funny. And I think it's great, too. You know, that's what you're passionate about. Get after it. Um, it was a little too much in terms of, like, forcing it on Dan Ige from my taste. You know, but there's nothing wrong with, you know, professing oneself. But, uh, yeah, for Dan Ige, he's just like, dude, I just lost a decision, bro. And you're, like, <laughs> forcing me to do this. Like, like yeah, bro. Bryce just did not pick up on any body cues. He did not no. care. <laughs> Danny is like, bro, I just want to get to the back, man. I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to have two prayers with you here in yeah. the octagon. And 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 I mean, it's just. I, I feel like you know there was this time with Bryce Mitchell where everyone wanted to get behind him. Oh, hey, let him wear his camo shorts. Now it's kind of like. Oh no! What's he gonna say next? Yeah, I mean, he did say the volcanoes were the uh, 
the fire in, in Hawaii was man-made. When it's like, bro, just Google it. Like, they think there was a hurricane and there's a lot of dead grass and an electrical line may have fallen. Like, there are, there's, like, logical reasons for why things happen. But instead of thinking about it and, like, doing some research, you, it's just that Joe Rogan school of logic thinking where it's got to be man-made and there's a conspiracy. By the way, Joe Rogan, I got to say, this is the thing. I like Joe Rogan's podcast, but he does this thing that really pisses me off. Anytime Joe Rogan has an athlete who has a severe health problem, Dr. Joe has the fix. <laughs> Kurt Angle. I already know what you mean. Yeah, I know what you Kurt, mean. Kurt Angle, who broke his freaking neck in the Olympics, has spent his entire life dealing with broken necks, painkiller. Every single second of his life has been dealing with injuries. And he comes on Joe Rogan's podcast in 2023. Can't even lift dumbbells because he's got issues. And Joe Rogan's got it figured out. He's like, you got to talk to Al Jermaine Sterling, who had the disc replacement. And you, you don't think Kurt has, 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 has done some research on this situation, Joe? You have the solution that's going to fix Kurt Angle? And it's for everyone. It, it, it's just, I mean, the, the greatest doctor of our time is Joe Rogan, apparently. And, and maybe that was the big problem during the pandemic, is he just kind of took his medical expertise to the wide scale. But yeah, to listen to Joe Rogan, give Kurt Angle advice. I'm gonna give you Al Jermaine's number. Have you been to Have you been to South America to get the the GHT? I'm like, bro, how do you have enough time to be this big of a medical expert when you spend 20 hours a week doing a podcast? <laughs> By the way, so I just Googled Bryce Mitchell post fight interview. Yeah. So I stumbled upon upon an article over at uh, MMA Fighting from Alexander K. Lee. It is titled Bryce Mitchell versus Satan. Book it. Pros react to Mitchell's <laughs> UFC Vegas 79 win. Bizarre post fight speech. So um, uh, here, here are some uh, tweets. How it is. Uh, Julian, uh, Julian DeCourcy, who's a fighter over in Invicta. Next fight, Bryce Mitchell versus Satan. Book it. Uh, Al Jermaine Sterling. This is Bryce Mitchell. Nothing made up or fake about him. How <laughs> um, I Quinta. Run, Bisming, run. Uh, Brian Kelher, one of a kind, ain't he? No doubt. No doubt. Uh, let's see here. Some other uh, let's see good ones here. Uh, a lot of talk about just being a, being a close fight. Um, <laughs> I mean, the next time Bryce Mitchell fights, if he wins, you think UFC production makes the executive decision? No post fight interview. No, I think they're going to do a post-fight interview because it's entertaining as hell. And we're talking about it today. I mean, it's the first thing we want to talk about when we're talking about this thing. So I do think, you know, he's – and by the way, during the commentary, the fact that no one could – you know, Michael Bessner was like, who is the guy with the cross? How does not? How does everyone not immediately say chemo? That's beyond me. But, uh, yeah, I think he's going to come out like chemo maybe next time. But absolutely, he's going to get a post-fight interview. Again, the most problematic thing he said – and the only problematic thing he said, really, to me, was the volcano situation, saying it was man-made uh, and, and like a conspiracy. Uh, but, look, um, look he, so he's one of these flat earthers. So um, I really wonder how many MMA fighters believe the earth is flat. I feel like it's a big number. I really do. We just got to give him uh, – I, I hope it's not a big number, but, yeah, we just got to get him um, on a I, I'm like, come on, fellas, come on. 
we got to get him down right here to where I live in SpaceX and we get him in a spaceship so they can kind of get a bigger view of the, uh, <laughs> the uh, circular planet. But I will say, like, with all that being said, Bryce Mitchell's a pretty damn good fighter. I mean, you, you watch him take on Dan Ige, and it's like, dude, dude, that one position when he, like, I think Dan was in his guard, but he somehow got back even when one of the commentators was saying, like, oh, yeah, this is going to end up in guard. And all of a sudden, dude, flexible Bryce gets his back. Bryce is, like, an incredibly talented fighter. He's going to be around for a long time. He's going to have plenty of opportunities for a lot of post-fight interviews throughout okay. the years. All right. So if you look at Bryce Mitchell's resume here, in the UFC, uh, decision winning against Tyler Diamond, decision winning against Bobby Moffitt, Submission win against Matt Sells. Decision win against Charles Rosa. Decision win against Andre Feely. Decision win against Edson Barboza. Submission loss to Ilya Taporia. Decision loss to Dan Ige. I said a certain word there a lot of times, by the way. Yeah. So if you look at Bryce Mitchell, and if you're going to say his best win, it's it's Barboza. Then I would say it's Dan Ige. And then you can... And then probably the third best win is, is is Andre Feely. So he is currently ranked as the number 10 challenger in the featherweight division. How many people do you think Bryce Mitchell could beat above him? Evelev, Chikadze, Cater, Emmett, Taporia, Allen, Ortega, Rodriguez, Holloway, Volkanovsky. I don't know if I would pick him against any of them. I mean... Stylistically, Chikaze may be the fight that makes the most sense for him just because his ability to take the fight to the ground. But yeah. if it, the fight stays on the feet, I think he gets butchered. To me, I think the fight that makes the most sense for him, if I was his team, is I'd try to get the Josh Emmett fight, even though I think Josh Emmett's looking for a retirement fight. Yeah. Well, if you're the UFC, you book it because that's what you do with retiring fighters. You book him against the up-and-comers. Um, I, well, I think Bryce is like that's that's kind of where he is as a fighter. 10th, 11th, 12th in a division where he can kind of pick up the fighters that are trying to climb into the top 15. But because there's certain dimensions of his game that are very deficient, like his stand-up, which is just that's not at an above-average level. And if he goes in there against someone with really strong defensive wrestling and also has great balance, that's just going to forever be trouble. And the top 10 of that weight class will forever be littered with guys who are going to be able to stop Bryce Mitchell. Um so that's kind of his skill level. So I just think he's going to – because his grappling game, again, he doesn't get the submissions, but it's so mm-hmm. suffocating. And he just is able to be like, I want to be in this position, and I'm going to get there. And it's going to happen because I am like the most flexible person of all time. I am the rubber man. So I, I just think Bryce will kind of forever be in this spot, Jason. And and yeah, you could put he, – he may get into the top six with the right matchup. And if he's successful in in his strategy, but he's not someone I anticipate becoming champion because of the deficiency in the standup. And there's plenty of good defensive wrestlers with high level striking games in that weight class. Yeah, I mean another name maybe, and he hasn't fought since 2022. Calvin Cater. Uh, another thing I'm going to mention about uh, UFC Vegas 79, Kerry uh, Hatley. Can we stop the Michelle Watterson fight a little sooner, or do we just need to see her lose all the blood in her head? Yeah, I don't know, bro. I don't know. I was kind of, I was kind of down with it. I'm be real with you, because I feel like when we have female fighters, we have that bias of 
wanting to see it stop sooner than two dudes throwing shots. I I, I do not think you're wrong with that. I, I would agree. So with you. that's why I kind of liked it. That being said, there were a couple of moments in round one where it was a lot of shots from Marina. And at the and at the end of the day, when round one was because that, that fight went two rounds, right? When round one was yeah, over. Second. When, when round one was over, it's like there is no way Watterson is going to win this fight. We're, we're watching it at the bar. And I'm like, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'm a few Stellas deep. And I'm just like, are we not going to stop this thing? And then, and then yeah. like, I'm sitting there going, and this is the part of, and I know this is MMA and a corner is rarely going to stop the fight. Like, how does the Watterson Gomez corner not go? This isn't our night. And, and look, and Michelle Watterson Gomez, she whether she has that deep conversation with herself, her husband has it with her, her team has it around her, there needs to be a legit conversation of, is it time? Yeah, yeah, because it's hard to envision her having that success on it championship level i just don't see her beating any of the championship level fighters in the weight class there's a big gap between her marina if she wants to continue to fight i think she'll have success against lower level fighters but against someone like marina i mean it just showed like marina looked really good and the thing with michelle after that first round she didn't have the tools in the toolbox to win this fight basically the one thing she was gonna have to do was to put marina on her back but the problem was if she went for that takedown and marina defended it Marina's immediately going to get into that tie clinch, which is where she unloaded with those knees and those elbows. So, yeah, I mean, Watterson's days are pretty numbered in the UFC, for sure. I I don't think we're going to have an amazing renaissance out of her. Um, But she is still someone who has skill and name value and can be a gatekeeper type fighter if she wants to continue fighting. And it's really just up to her because I think different fighters have different ambitions and different goals. Not everyone wants to be a champion. And when you have a fight card every single Saturday, there's plenty of spots of people who don't want to be champions, right? Like it's not like Bobby Green is going to be a champion. No offense, Bobby Green. I really don't want him to hear this because I feel like he's the type of guy that would get upset at me and hold a grudge forever. But Bobby Green will, will not be a champion. But he still has a nice little career ahead of him as a UFC fighter, as a quality UFC fighter. So Michelle could be in that void. It just depends on what she wants to do. And and she's the type of person that could – she has options for how to make a living moving forward more so than other fighters as well. I mean, she's someone I could absolutely see on a UFC broadcast team. That that, Um, that was my – as you were talking, that was my thought. I mean, the fact is she's one in six in her last seven fights. Yeah. Yeah. She's been fine for a long time as well, man. She really has. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, look, and obviously she's, you know, when you talk about female MMA, she's 37 years old. She'll be 38 in January. Um, you know, maybe, maybe if you're her, maybe try to maybe get one last fight, make it a quote unquote retirement fight. But to me, it's something that's got to be a little bit in her mind. But I mean, look, Maria Rodriguez goes out there. And and does her thing there, uh, you know over you know over the Bellator, obviously most notably Johnny Edwin Boy. I don't know if you you saw that uh, picture that Dustin Boyer put out there, that massive cut that Johnny Edwin had, and uh, you know it's going to be interesting because you know, and, and I guess we can kind of transition this and in, in a little bit of the future of Bellator because, you know, I mean obviously there's a lot of Bellator fighters who are probably sitting there going, 
and after you know, if you're Johnny Eblen, and, and I know Ariel brought up the question uh, when he had Johnny on his show, is you know, hey, do, do you think you're going to be, you know, your next fight will be in Bellator? And it, it was kind of interesting because I saw this clip of Dana White talking about, you know, the 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 sell of Bellator and all that, and and I mean, look, if Bellator folded. There's a lot of those fighters UFC would be very – if those fighters all magically became free agents, there's a lot of fighters on that Bellator roster that maybe Dana White doesn't know a lot about. But I guarantee you, Sean Shelby and Mick Maynard would be excited about potentially adding them to to the UFC. Maybe next week because it is going to be – there's not much to talk about. We're going to preview a fight night card, and I'm sure there will be some news. Maybe next week we can do a little draft and see – or. Just powering. Yeah, you got Bellator 300 next week. I don't know if anybody gives a oh, damn, but, but Bellator 300 is, is next week. I didn't, realize, I didn't realize. Okay, so we're going to preview that too. But, I mean, that also is kind of fitting. We could just kind of label who do we think are the most viable fighters because you look at Bellator 299 and you have two of those fighters. By the way, shout out to Chokely with that crazy front uh, kick knockout on Homosin. Um, uh, oh, I'll throw a true false out at you. Yeah. But hypothetically, this is all hypothetically, Bellator folds. All these fighters, hypothetically, are all free agents. What's more likely? Chris Cyborg back in the UFC or Chris Cyborg in the PFL? Chris had, Cyborg. Very, Chris had a very interesting comment that uh, her and Dana, I, I guess, have, uh, have mended those fences over the past couple months. I just... I guess if you're the UFC, the reason why you sign Cyborg is because you have the foresight of we're going to also sign Keila Harrison and then do that fight. Ooh, that would be a big fight for the UFC. Yeah, they would promote that well, and it would. It, so I, I think actually, I without having seen Cyborg's comments, I would maybe lean towards there because there's obviously a lot of bad blood between her and the PFL. So that's a good true false, I guess. And again, like. This roster is literally with talent. Like, we could do another true-false. Like, is Aaron Pico a champion a year from now? You know, Pico and Evelyn both looked amazing. For Aaron Pico, he's starting to look like he's finally putting it all together, Jason, with the win over Pedro Carvalho, and now it's time for that championship run that was envisioned when he started his mixed martial arts career. What do you think of Pico's chances of being a top fighter? I would put it high, but, you know, you, you know what? I, I it just – in this – thought just came to my mind if and once again hypothetical situation all these bellator fires are free agents bellator folds who's the ufc's number one target yeah and that could be something we talk about next week i mean I, I, if you told me it's aaron pico wouldn't have a disagreement with you if you told me it's johnny eblin wouldn't have a disagreement with you if you told me it's aj mckee wouldn't disagree with you i think there are interesting options but what if you're the UFC, you know you can get Kayla Harrison in the fold, get Chris Cyborg in the fold. That gives you a major premium fight to put on a pay-per-view in 2024, and it could be your headliner. But it's to me, Chris Cyborg is still behind those fighters because we are talking about one big fight for Cyborg. And by the way, don't forget, you have a Sergio Pettis to me is someone that also is very attractive, as is Uzman Nurmagomedov, as is... Yaroslav Amosov, as is Vadim Nenkov. So I just think Cyborg, she presents the biggest possible fight the UFC could make, but that's one fight. Yeah. Also, even though maybe the fences are mended, they still know it's not always great working with Cyborg. There, there, there is mm -hmm. still bad blood and bad history with them. 
So are you going to want to – who's more valuable, that one cyborg fight or getting into the Johnny Eblen business, getting into the Aaron Pico business, getting into the A.J. McKee business? There's a lot of high-quality fighters in this Bellator roster. And this is what Cyborg said about uh, Dana White. She, she says, quote, I forgive him for everything that happened. I'm getting older. I don't want to hold grudges, and he knows that. There's just different ways in life, but I wish him the best for sure. Like, I mean, it's – because like, I, I was thinking about, like – I was thinking about this driving to the office the other day, and, and like, I'm thinking about this whole you know PFL potentially acquiring all these Bellator contracts and – you know, and, and I, I do wonder if you're in the PFL offices, do you, do you sit there and say, it just, it just doesn't seem like there's a, a lot of buzz for Bellator right now. Like, it just seems like, I mean, like, it seems like no one cares whether they're, uh, whether Bellator is acquired by PFL or they magically just full. But yeah, I literally think, I mean, may, maybe next week, maybe, maybe the, the, the conversation for next week is, if all these Bellator fighters become free agents, we do a, a draft on, on who who are we who's at the top of the list. Who are we picking? Yeah. I'm down, okay. I'm yeah, there's one. That. There's one name you did not mention that might be my number one pick. Don't even say it. Don't even say it. I, let, let's no, tease no, the I'm gonna throw it out there because once okay. you look at the Bellator roster, you're gonna go, "Yep, Jason's right." Who? Guy's young. I think he's only 24 years old. He's got a pedigree. He's got that last name, Usman Nurmagomedov. I said him. Oh, you did? Okay, I missed it then. <laughs> I missed it then. Like, if you just said out of the Bellator champions. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, the, the, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of great options in terms of what their abilities are. Like, you know, you could, I mean... God, if you're a Jesus, I, I don't even know how I'd power rank these, Daniel. Like know, you, you tough. bring up you bring up the amazing point. If you're looking at it from a a business aspect, if you can bring Kayla Harrison to the fold, Chris Cyborg brings you the biggest fight. There is no question about it. But like Meanwhile. you look at you look at a, I think Usman's 24 years old. You you look at him. You look at what Sergio has re, has done over the past couple of years since his exit. Vadim Nemkov may be the best 205-pound fighter in the world, even though he's talking about going up to heavyweight. Johnny Eblen may be the best 185-pound fighter in the world. You know, I mean, I, I don't know how much interest the UFC would really have in Liz Carmouche. I was about I, to say, if Bellator has a fighter who's undefeated in Bellator with five finishes and has been a champion, and that's Liz Carmouche. I don't think UFC would have much interest. I really don't. I know. Think about that, though. Think about that, though. You look at the uh, – pull up that UFC flyweight division. Where would where would this Carmouche from a talent level stack up amongst those flyweights? Like who 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 do you think she's beating and where is she? Because she's incredibly talented, but I don't like like I think she beats Caitlin Chikagan. That's where I was I was kind of looking in that, okay, above Chukagian, who would you would you pick her against Talia Santos? Would you pick her against Manel Fiorot? Aaron Blanchfield, Shevchenko, we've seen that how that goes. I no, so, I mean yeah. I mean, she's she's top five ish. She's at, she's at the lower end of that top five, top six range. Yeah, she for sure. Yeah, I think literally five is, is the range. But I, I Santos, yeah. I don't think the UFC would have any interest in Liz Carmouche. I mean, like there are, you know, 
obviously you look at all the champions, I think there would be a lot of intrigue in those fighters. And then there's other fighters that you look at, at that are currently signed by Bellator that I think the UFC would have a ton of interest in. And the PFL obviously would have a ton of interest in. You know, you, you look at someone like an A.J. McKee, Patchy Mix, yeah. Ray Anderson. I mean, especially when you look at that current UFC 205-pound division, there needs to be an influx of talent in that division. Yeah, especially because half the top five are injured. I mean, could I mean, like, uh, if we're talking about where Bellator may be the deepest, 135 pounds. Yeah, I think that is where they are the deepest. I mean, mean, literally, Pettis, Max, Scott, Archuleta, Magomedov, Horiguchi, Sabatello. These are all fighters that the UFC could sign. The one who might not make the cut is Sabatello, but he also might make the cut because of his personality. Yeah, I mean, there, there's other fighters like uh, Musayev would be another one I'd be really interested to see potentially in the UFC. What he, would he do against some of the top uh, competition? What is an Archie Colgan, a guy who's up and coming? You know, um, I mean, there hasn't been much talk about Michael Page, even though I kind of feel like Michael Page is UFC bound uh, regardless of kind of what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a lot of interesting names, man. I mean... Even a name like Douglas Lima, who obviously is a bit past his prime, but what would he do in the UFC, you know? The names like Romero Codd and Austin Vanderford, Dalton Rasta, Anatoly Tokov. The list goes on. Will we see Yo Romero return to the UFC? I don't know about that one, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, by, by the way, speaking about the PFL, and, you know, PFL, I mean, I, I think wow. if you were going to call them number two organization in May right now, I don't think a lot of people have a problem. But uh, this might be, if you were going to use a, a terminology this week, this might be where the PFL has fumbled the bag a little bit. And John Morgan coming out, uh, of course, the PFL doing an event in Paris this week. He says, unfortunate PFL Paris update. There will be. There will not be a stream available for the U.S. audience. PFL officials tell me there was a miscommunication whether the availability of pre-fight activities and the actual fight card, but have confirmed there is no stream of the event. Ant Evans, who's a former uh, PR guy with the UFC, who actually has helped out a lot of fighters in terms of growing their YouTube channels, uh, says, what does the second paragraph mean, mate? And John Morgan goes, that certain pre-fight activities like weigh-ins and such are expected to stream in the U.S., but not the actual fight card will not. Um, Daniel, come on. I, I, I don't know what's happened behind the scenes here. PFL loves to talk about how they're innovative. How uh, You've got two guys making their PFL debuts on this car. Like, how do you not, like... Yeah. Get this on your YouTube channel. Like, like, what is going on here? Yeah, in 2023, it's so easy to stream something. So there's, it's kind of unacceptable uh, to not stream all your content, not make it available for your hardcore fans to watch it. Um, it's embarrassing, but, you know, that's the PFO. They have some great moments, and then occasionally – they step in a puddle and get some water all over themselves. And it's like, what are you doing? You know, you fumbled the ball there. I think the PFL is like a running back who he might have a good game and it's hell yeah. And then the next game he kind of fumbles the ball a little bit. So he's got a bit of a fumbling problem as the PFL. I mean, look, it, it, 
especially when you're talking about a Saturday where you have no UFC event, like this to me, if I was at PFL, this would have been a priority of saying, hey, guys, we have a, a chance to capture that MMA audience that maybe is not necessarily tuning into us live. They're, they're watching us after the fact. Let's get in there on a Saturday afternoon in the United States. Let's get people to our YouTube channel and, and stream this event. I mean, it's just – and maybe there's something that has to do with international things. Uh, maybe that, there was a reason they couldn't get there. But like, if you're PFL, PFL, this is where I sit there and say, man, PFL, you kind of fumbled the bag a little bit here. And, um, you know, look, it's it's an interesting time for the PFL. We, we've talked about this now for a couple of weeks, not just with the potential acquisition of belts or but their television deal is in is is expires at the end of this year. You know, technically they're they're after their pay-per-view uh, on November 24th, they, they don't have a TV deal. And so. I mean, obviously, there, there's a lot of players out there that potentially could want to acquire them. I say that like, if I'm the PFL, you want to be on ESPN Plus, ESPN, ESPN Two, wh- whatever it may be. Otherwise, to me, I, I you know, you might be able to get a lot of money out there from somebody, but there's not a greater platform to be on as a sports property. And that's the most important thing for the PFL moving forward. For some organizations like the WWE or UFC, it's not about the platform. They have such a strong brand that their audience will follow them. The UFC can sign a deal with Peacock and the audience will travel. If you are Bellator, if you are PFL, the platform you choose can kill your business. Uh Bellator chose wrong when they chose Showtime. Good Lord. I mean, you talk about one of the biggest fumble bags in my history that that's, I mean, and now we're talking about showtimes getting out of the boxing business, but you know, Steven Espinosa just wants to talk about live gates and look, I'm not one here to defend Dana White. Dana White's taking the victory lap. He is taking the victory lap right now. As a, if you would, if you have not seen this morning, Dana White went to the old, uh, I guess he went to the whole note tab in his phone and created the statement, and uh, he ends it with uh, "Enjoy retirement, weasel." Yeah, that is true. Dana does have a lot of W's over some of his. But, um, but think about this: like, I grew up watching boxing. It's crazy to me to think about. I mean, outside of Showtime's going to do these one-off pay-per-views that HBO and Showtime are getting out of the boxing business. Like, it's it's crazy. Like, if I would have told you 10 years ago, hey, it's 2014 and 2024, HBO's out of the boxing business. Showtime's essentially out of the boxing business. You would have been like, oh, shit. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it is really crazy, but that's the times are changing. So, and to me... This is more indicative of I don't know what Showtime is going to be in five years. I don't know if Showtime will be around in five years versus with HBO. It's more of a strategic decision. I think HBO's brand will hold strong versus Showtime. Don't know what's going to be, who's going to be watching Showtime whenever Billions is up. Dude, the moment Bellator is no longer on Showtime, I'm canceling that that Showtime subscription on my Paramount Plus. Yeah. Because what's on there? What's on there? In terms of Paramount Plus or Showtime? Showtime. There's billions, and that's about it. Yeah. I, I, I've i not – I mean, I I watched billions a couple of years ago, but then, like, I have no idea where I'm at in the series at this point. So, like, I just, you know, I probably just have to start back at season one and figure out where the hell I left off at. I think I think I might have got through two seasons. I might – but, yeah, there, there's nothing on Showtime that's got me there. I mean, the, the only reason I have a Showtime subscription is to watch Bellator. Yeah, I have a Showtime subscription because – 
my parents, whenever they got cable, and they just described it like all the premiums. So it's not my bill. Uh, look, but, at, look uh, at y'all. Look at y'all living that bougie lifestyle. We I get mean, all the premium channels. Well, I don't pay for it. So at some point, I'm going to move out, I think, um, whenever my hand heals. So then I'll have to make decisions. But maybe I won't have to make that Showtime decision because by the time I move out, there may be no Bellator. Uh, yeah, good chance there, there definitely is going to be no Bellator in, in the very near future. Um, you know, something else to uh, mention here, something I, I saw over on MMA Junkie, and that is a story by uh, Nolan King. It says, uh, Cain Velasquez attempted murder trial timeline revealed by the judge as, uh, as he writes at, uh, Cain Velasquez on Wednesday. During a pre-trial hearing, the judge uh, heard from both sides of this and determined that uh, the final trial setting date of December 6th with the intent to begin the trial in January 2022. And, of course, this is a story we've talked a little bit here on the podcast. Of course, uh, when uh, this story was was first revealed, I, I did a, a podcast with William Frankie, who's an attorney here uh, in, in Tampa. And, and the one thing that the, the William said, he's like, man, it's it's not going to look good for Cain Velasquez, even though I know a lot of people in the MMA community, you know, w- want to root him on. You know, it's it's about uh, you know probably finding the right jury. You, you probably got to find you know twelve dads who say no, I'm not I'm not going to convict him. But really, and where and William has brought this point to me on, on several occasions. He goes, when you look at the charges, the charge that is going to be extremely hard for Cain Velasquez to beat is the gun charges. Kane, I, and I, I know in the MMA community, we all want to support Kane. And if I was Kane Velasquez, I would do the same thing. I'm not going to lie. I would do the same goddamn thing. But legally speaking, I don't see how Kane Velasquez is not spending a majority of his life behind behind prison bars. Yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm no expert. But I do think a trial is a good provides an opportunity for him to beat the charges because you can advocate your case to humans, to a human trial, a human jury, excuse me. And there's a possibility that that jury will see his perspective and will figure out some way to work around those charges and, and make him a free man. I don't, you know, you talk to a legal expert and that's his advice, so it doesn't seem great. But at least there's that possibility for Kane, that chance. And that's what's going to happen in January if it if it starts. So I'll be yeah, ready for him. I remember William, he had said to me, he said, he's like, he goes, if I'm representing him, you're probably trying to figure out what type of plea agreement you can come to. But, you know, the, the problem is, is I don't know how he beats the gun charges. And, and I, as the story has developed, and, and I feel like it, in the MMA community, they don't pay attention to the facts of the case, you know, and, and that's where I just, I, I, you know, may, maybe your best case scenario, if, if you're the attorney for Cain Velasquez is a hung jury. Yeah. And then if you get a hung jury and if you're the prosecutor, do you want to go back down this road again of doing another trial? Yeah. I think it's going to be a long process or maybe it won't be. I have no effing idea. I really don't. <laughs> this is not my expertise. Yeah, but the problem is, is how do you how how do you beat charges where it is known you are firing a weapon from a moving vehicle? Yeah, take take out why he was doing it. Just look at it from that aspect. 
And I've told people this. You realize how worse this situation could have been? What happens if an innocent bystander gets hit by a bullet? Yeah, and I think that's what the prosecution is going to beat into the ground. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that's that's where they're going to say this was premeditated. Yeah. So the why, the why that you're taking out, that is going to be Kane's strongest point is the why. Why he decided to so, do this. Like, like I, don't, I don't know if you've ever watched the show Bull on CBS. No. So Bull, he, he's a, a trial scientist. He, he the, This is a whole premise of, of the show. And where he's trying to find the right jury for his client. And I feel like that's what's going to happen here if you're Cain Velasquez. Is there, because, you know, I, I've heard stories of kind of like, you know, how jury duty works and all that. I mean, I, I've been through jury duty. Last time I was in jury duty, like, I knew who they were picking as a jury as they're just, as they're going around this room asking questions. And I'm like, they've picked their jury. I already know it. I, I, I literally remember we, we, we went to break. I looked at one dude. I said, you're on the jury. He goes, no, man, no, I'm not. I go, they've asked you like eight questions. I've got <laughs> one. You're on the jury, bro. Yeah. I go, yeah. <laughs> I go, you're on the jury. Yeah, I've, they don't even know my name. They couldn't even know my name to pick me. I was literally in the last row, and they asked me one question, and then I never got asked another question. I go, oh, I'm not getting picked. At this point, I'm just hoping, I hope they don't tell me to go back to the jury pool. They tell me I can leave for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, nice. like, look, we all, we all want to be a you know, good you know, citizen and, and do our, our civil duties. I don't know how many people our age range want to be on a jury. No, it's a long day, boring day. Good, I, like, like, here's yeah. the thing: for the Cain Velasquez jury, like, do they start? Does a prosecutor start asking him many questions? Probably. I think you know they're gonna build their narratives. Like, 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 like what would be the to... like? Would you sit there and say, "Hey, man, did you score the fight for Johnny Hendricks over GSP?" <laughs> I don't think it's gonna be that. <laughs> Do you sit there and go, do you know what, if I say AKA, do you know what we're talking about? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. American Kickbox Academy. Love those bros. Yeah. Uh, we excuse this juror number one. Uh, he is not fit. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> when you're, when you're asking the jury. Oh. Like if you're, oh, if you're the jury, prosecutor, the thought process is we got to get rid of every MMA fan in this jury pool. Absolutely. No, absolutely. hundred percent. Yep. Do you need to? That is yes, because those people are going to be so four K. It's not like I would be four K. Like, sorry, K would be. I, I, I would say this: like, if you were a reporter that was going to cover the jury, I'd be more interested in covering the jury uh, selection process more than anything else. Because just to hear what questions get asked these jurors. Yeah, sometimes they don't let people do that though. Uh, I've been in trial. I've been in court where they they kick us out. This last week, they kicked us out during jury selection. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. I, I, know. I, uh, I, I've literally, I've told Frankie, I was like, man, you should really do a show on jury selection. It, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, it's a fascinating process. It really is. I mean, and I, I remember the last time I went, like the judge kept saying, I, I, the one thing I remember is he goes, Hey, you're not trying your case here. We're just picking a jury. <laughs> and it, it was clearly, it was a, a, a child neglect case. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and it was very, very adamant that uh, both sides were presenting their case to the to the potential jury before the trial even started. Yeah, I'm sure it's like that so often. I'm sure it's like that so often, but it's the type of thing that people don't think about when you think about a trial is that jury selection process and how they weed it out to you know, yeah, get something yeah. they want. Maybe the DA has brought in an MMA expert going, what questions should we ask? What, yeah. what, are, what are the key demos? Yeah, because you are right. You are right. They want to get those people out of the jury pool because they will not put that man in jail. I mean, I think the MMA community is pretty unified in that. Uh, Yeah. All we got to go is on X. I'm still trying to figure out, is it still a tweet? What is the actual message we're posting on X called? The post, apparently, which is so boring. Yeah. So boring. So boring. Give me a tweet back. Yeah. I, I, I don't I don't go on Twitter as much as I used to. No. I, I literally, you know, I'll, I'll check my For You, and maybe every once in a while I'll go to the following, just kind of see what's out there. Maybe if I'm watching, like, a, a sporting event live, mm-hmm. I might pay attention to, to X a little bit. But for me, it's mostly, mostly an IG guy now. Yeah. I just go on MySpace. Did no you, one's there. Uh, first off, I feel like you're too young to have had, had a MySpace page. I had a MySpace page. Wow, I would I'm not. Tw- I'm I would, 28. I would not have expected that. No. Yeah, yeah. I had a MySpace page. I was nobody's top four friends. That was depressing. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if my MySpace page got deleted or what. I wonder if I can find your MySpace page if I Google it. Is MySpace even around? Maybe. I feel like it is, but let's see. Do you have an account called Backcountry View? No. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's a picture. The background is drumsticks. No, it's not you. Damn. No, that would definitely not be me. (laughs) Um. I think maybe MySpace is pretty dead. I don't know how it would even... uh, that sucks. They should have preserved that for historical purposes, just to go back. It's like a time capsule to go see yourself. Oh, I, I think we would all be scared about that. Uh, this website is just horrendous. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, <laughs> the evolution of social media. <laughs> yeah. Look, I can remember the days when you had to have a college email address to have a Facebook account. Yeah, I wasn't in college during that time, but uh, I did see the social network. Yeah. That is crazy. And yeah, I, I can't find your MySpace, so congrats. I Yeah, I literally just Googled Jason Foytan MySpace and uh, yeah. yeah, nothing. I, one of the things that comes with my LinkedIn profile and bro, I get kids in the car. Might want to turn this down, pause it or fast forward about 10 seconds. I fucking hate LinkedIn. All Why? these fucking people who email you, hey, found your LinkedIn profile. I just literally want to respond to them and go, hey, appreciate the spam email. Yeah. Like, seriously, like, do you think that shit's going to work? <laughs> I literally, there are times I just want to, I literally on my LinkedIn profile go, if you would not randomly email me, you ain't getting a response. Dude, the, the, the amount of spam emails I get of, I found you on LinkedIn. We don't want to talk to you. Yeah. Damn. Oh. I, 
I haven't experienced it on LinkedIn. I'm not very active on LinkedIn. Oh, I'm not all. either. I literally, I, I've outside of like what what I do in in, in my career. I I never post on there. I don't even go on there. I, I don't even check it. Like it's just every time I get those emails, like I I literally want to set up a dummy email account for LinkedIn, and just mm-hmm. it, it like automatically emails them something like something the craziest goddamn thing <laughs> back. Oh my god! I love how this has been just a, a clear issue for you in your life. <laughs> Look, once you start experiencing this, you'll be like, oh, I know what Jason meant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're like, yeah, this is like, you've been dealing with this problem for a long time. Dude, it's, it's like literally, you know you know what you know what the meme should be? The the auto response to these people? What's that? You, you know that shirt that people have? Fuck around and find out. Yeah. <laughs> you just give them that chart? <laughs> the, uh, the one guy, it's like it has that, that bar chart of fuck around and find out. <laughs> fuck around, Jason, with your spam emails and find out. Dude, did you, dude what a fucking Dion's... Um, Security guys had that shirt on like in one of the games this year. Yeah, I think it was in the game when the was it TCU after game. It was it was either TCU or the, or the or next Nebraska. game after. Yeah, I think it was Nebraska actually, but it's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't want to mess with Dion's bodyguards. They'll they'll rearrange your face. No nah, man, no nah, man. I just want I you know, dude. I saw a thing about how many uh, sunglasses Dion sold within like twenty four hours of of starting to sell those. Jesus, woof. Good to be in the Dion business right now. In any type of business, that man knows how to be successful. I, I'm just saying, man. I I don't think I could rock those sunglasses. That that's that. I don't think that's my style. No, I don't think so either, brother. I think the focals you got, the bifocals you got I'm, on right I'm, now, I'm, is I'm, just I'm, I'm an I'm an Oakley guy. <laughs> You know, give, just give me a standard pair of Oakleys, you know? Yeah. That's how I roll, man. I, yeah, no, nah, man, that's uh, that's definitely not my style. No, I don't think Jason Floyd and Deion Sanders have the same fashion style. Uh, no, I'm telling you, if you, you, you should Google uh, Charlotte University head coach. Uh-huh. He literally looked like a PE teacher last week uh, in their game against Florida. Is he the guy who, like, wears, like, a sleeveless hoodie? No, it's like sleeveless shirt. I feel like I vaguely have seen this on social media, but haven't actually. Oh yeah, it, it has been a meme. Oh my god, that's hilarious! Love this dude. This dude is awesome, dude. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I you know about last Saturday night watching all, all the college football games, and they they had the Gator game on, and I'm like, hold up, that's the head coach. <laughs> like, this, is there not someone at the university go, hey coach? Um, we really want you to wear sleeves. He looks like a PE teacher that you had in middle school. I love it, bro. That's who I, I would run through a wall for that dude. I don't even know anything about him. But I say a dude in a sleeveless T-shirt coaching some ball, I would run through a wall for him. Could you? I, my, my thought is, does he roll into a parent's, a recruit's household looking like that? I don't think so. I think he's got to find the sleeve somewhere because he's trying to get a kid to commit. But once he commits, the sleeves are off, baby. <laughs> He, he may be, like I feel like he rolls that and like he's bringing some he's got some quality food products with him. Oh no doubt about it. He's like no doubt about it. I got some good barbecue here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think he's uh, he enjoys himself some BBQ. Oh a man, couple of daddy sodas. Oof, I love me some good barbecue, man. I'm, yes, I'm, sir. I'll tell you tomorrow night. I'm going out some some Mexican, some tacos, probably some Modelo's. Can't go wrong with that. 
I, I don't want to hear it, bro. I'm on antibiotics. I don't want to hear about beer talk, okay? Your boy can't drink any beer. Dude, that 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 was me about three weeks ago. I, I uh, my back flared up, and so the the doctor gives me um, some back spasm pills, and she's like, uh, "So, Jason, just want to let you know, you can't drink while you're on these." And I was like, "Pom pom pom." <laughs> I text my buddy Chris. I go, "Hey, man. Um, so yeah, I can't drink for a week." Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to spend all day at your house and not being able to drink. I don't know. Yeah. I have to spend my time just sober. It, well, it, it, that's more of a weekend thing for me. I really don't drink yeah. during the week. I really don't. I know, but if I told you, Jason, you can't work and you have to just be at your house all day long for a week watching oh, TV. Oh God, I would, I would, I would drive myself crazy. I know, I know, because it's just, I'm, it's just I'm like, I'm just, I don't have that mentality to just like sit at home and relax and do nothing. Like, I, 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 I need to be out. Like, I, I, I I'm an outgoing person. Like, I, it doesn't matter what we're doing. I mean, you could sit there and say, hey, uh, let's go out and let's go to Top Golf and, and hit some hit some golf balls. Cool, let's go. You know, or you know, hey, you know, we, we found this this cool brunch spot. Let's go to this brunch spot. Let's let's have some good brunch. Have some you know, bottomless bloody marriage. Cool. Let's go. I'm just not like I don't have that mentality. Now look, I don't mind sitting at home on a Saturday afternoon in the fall and watching a ton of college football. I will say that I could do that, but like, if you tell me, hey, uh, Tuesday, you got to sit at your at your place. And all you can do is whatever's in your house. I would drive myself crazy. Yeah, I am going crazy. I am progressively going crazy. But I am excited for football. That will be a chill day. I will enjoy both Saturday and Sunday. And uh, that will be fun. I get to watch the Texans. Maybe they might be good this year. Who knows? They're, they're, they're starting to surprise me. You know? Well, they won last good. week, right? Yeah, well, yeah, we beat the Jaguars. So. Maybe this won't be the season from hell. Maybe C.J. Stroud's actually good. I even dreamt about C.J. Stroud last night. I was so happy. We actually got a quarterback. Maybe. I just hope he doesn't get hurt from all the damn – our offensive line is injured, so he doesn't have much time in the pocket. But uh, he's looking really good so far. Yeah. I, I will say this. One of the funniest things I, I saw on uh, social media yesterday was Jason Kelsey saying to his brother, so uh, we see Taylor, Taylor Swift put you on the map. <laughs> Dude, all these videos I have seen on on reels whatnot of wife going to husband yeah. going, man, Taylor put this guy Travis Kelsey on the map, and the guy looks truck goes, he's one of the greatest tight ends of all time. Yeah, especially if the dude's like in an Eagles jersey, you just know this dude. That was like a personal attack. Dude, MMA fighters, shoot your shot. Just saying, shoot your shot. Yeah. I don't know who's single. Maybe, uh, dude, I'm telling you right now. Oh, one thing we didn't mention, you know, we live in a world where we find out a ton of things in the now. How did we not find out about Izzy and his DWI during fight camp? Yeah, that's crazy. That's really crazy. That little, it, that, that, that did not come out is beyond me. It leads to 
I, I think it probably leads to a lot of questions of, I mean, look, does it surprise me a fighter is consuming alcohol or whatever vices they love during fight camp? I am not surprised by that. I'm not going to be one of those people because I saw that on social media. But it, it's also, I think, was he not taking this fight seriously? Maybe, maybe was he parring too much? Yeah, I mean, it, you aren't locked in if you're drinking that before a fight, that soon before a fight. If you're drinking, you're not locked in, right? You just aren't. You're fighting the best, one of the best fighters in the world. I, I, look, I'm not going to blame a guy if he goes out and, you know, has a drink or two. Obviously, if you go out and, and you're going to drink a lot, you know, you, you know, get an Uber. Um, but it, yeah, it's just, I mean, pretty- it, it was just kind of interesting that this just – you would have thought in today's media world that this would have been a news story before, you know, before his fight. Yeah, I guess it shows you because it happened internationally, it didn't get over here. I don't know, but it's surprising. Obviously, don't drink and drive. I mean, that's absurd. I mean, you're putting other people's lives at risk because of your choice. It impairs your ability to operate a vehicle. I, I just had this thought process. How has Uber not come up with a reality show of of experiences in an Uber for a driver after ten o'clock at night? I know, I know. Put that on Netflix. Yeah, I don't know what that. it is. I'm in this. I've been getting Teslas in my Ubers recently. I don't know what it is. Like all of a sudden, you know. I mean, I mean, look. I might request a nicer vehicle. I might just do mm-hmm. it. You know, because I'm a little bougie like that. I don't know what it is. I've been, I'm getting more Teslas recently. I, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining because I, dude, I, I got an Uber a couple of weeks ago, and there was a bunch of us in the car. So I get in the front seat, and I was there was literally wa- empty water bottles all over the floor. Dude, you ain't not getting a five star rating, man. Clean your car, man. Yeah. That's the bare minimum. I mean, that is. I'm like, I, I, I'm like, literally, like, where the hell do I put my feet? The guy's like, That's, oh, sorry for all the water bottles. I'm like, dude, there's like 40 water bottles down here. <laughs> yeah, dude. If that's literally your way of making money, clean out your back. I mean, for the love of God, that is. I would almost get out of the Uber and be like, I'm gonna get another Uber. That's crazy. Well, I was getting it from the airport, and uh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, but still, I was like, bro. Clean your car. Oh, yeah. I've never heard of that before. That is crazy. That is crazy. I, I will say this. You know, the ones I find really interesting is the Uber drivers have all the gadgets. Like, hey, you got an iPhone? I got a charger for you. You got an Android? got a charger for you. Like, those are the ones I'm like, all right, you're stepping your game up. Yeah, this is their career. They're going to But is it, it wrong of me and going, I don't know if I want to charge my, like, are you trying to steal my data? Yeah. Is it right? <laughs> Am I too, too cynical? Yeah, I think so. I feel like the type of person that would steal your data isn't going to be an Uber driver, you know? Never know. You know, it's true. You never know. It, but it just seems like a really inefficient way to do it. But who knows? Yeah. I bet it's some interesting Ubers, though. Yeah. I, I bet. Because you are just constantly taking Ubers every single week. Yeah, yeah. Every time I look at different locations, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You look in that. Yeah, you got. And look, when you travel, you got to have a good Uber rating. If not, man, you may not. You may not get rides. I think I'm like. I think I'm like a four point nine. That's not bad, bro. Who's the one person who rated you poorly? Um, Who knows? That's the thing. Uber. Can we not get like? 
can you not tell us how the driver rated it? I'm sure there's probably a way. I'm sure there's probably a way. But yeah. Yeah, because if they rate me poorly, I will find them. And exactly. I'll be like, why'd you, why'd you give me a three stars? I just sat there and was on my phone. Yeah, I mean, it's like whether it's Uber, I'm getting Uber Eats. Like, I, I leave good tips. Mm-hmm. Got some good chicken wings the other night. Mm, they were really good. Damn good. Damn. Uh, maybe I'll get some chicken wings tonight. That sounds absolutely immaculate. Recently started going to Smoky Bones. I don't know if they have any uh, in your area or not. No, um, I don't. Even. They have this uh, this Casey um, sauce, barbecue sauce. Oh, well, so good. That sounds pretty immaculate. Yeah, so so damn uh, good, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, and, and like I'm in the office, like. I'm lazy, so it's just easy for me to just order off Uber Eats as opposed to like go pick up food somewhere for lunch. Oh my gosh, you're gonna you're gonna put down twenty extra bucks or whatever for. Oh, dude, there are sometimes I've looked at that. And I'm like, guy, you're getting a fifteen dollar burger, and it's probably costing you thirty bucks to get it delivered. Yeah, yeah, bro. But after all the fees that- and and you, you you I mean you got you got to tip the the person bringing the food. Yeah, you know, a decent amount. Yeah, I mean, bare minimum, I think you got to be in that 15% at least. Apps at, at the very least, yeah. You know, you know, I mean, I'm typically, I'm, in, in terms of like going out to restaurants, I'm probably in that 30% range of tipping. Yeah, I'm bad at math, so I just overdo it. I'm like, I don't know if that's 15%, whatever. Add five more dollars. Well, to me, I, I'll do 20% no matter what. No matter what, if it if it's awful service, I'll give twenty percent. But if yeah. if it's really good service, yeah, I, I've done thirty, forty, more. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to make that? I, I, I look. I, I'll just say this: when you go to a particular place, a lot of times, and they know you're a good tipper, you usually get great experience. You usually get great service. Yeah, yeah. You know, I might just walk in and they might be pouring the beer already. Yeah, and that's great. <laughs> and that's. It's a way to live your life. It's, it's one of the, the learning lessons I learned early on in my 20s was tip that bartender good. You never got to worry about having an empty drink. You're you're so right about that. That first time, great advice to anyone. Dude, I, anyone. I remember. I remember, man, when I was working in the club scene, I would tell people, first drink, just say, hey, start my tab, but then give them a $20 bill. Yeah. And they'll keep coming. That's some damn good advice. You come here for the MMA talk, I give you bar advice. <laughs> yeah. You never know what type of life advice you're going to get. Uh, yeah, exactly. We all we all need life advice at some point in our life. There's no doubt about yes, it. Sir. But, yes, but of sir. course, as always, appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the podcast. Of course, new episodes of the podcast come out every week. We'll be back here next week. we got Bellator 300 to talk about. we got UFC Vegas 80. I know Daniel can't wait to break down Grant Dawson versus Bobby Green. <laughs> Just some fights, bro. Just some fights. Look, I'll say this. It'll be very interesting next week, next Saturday night. What does MMA Twitter look like for UFC Vegas 80 versus Bellator 300? That, to me, will be very interesting. And we can talk about that. Plus, I guess we got to do that draft next week. We got to do that draft next week, too. Oh, hey, it'll be the beginning of the month. We got to do a draft anyway. Maybe maybe we need to look back at our our September draft and see uh, how well we actually really did on that one. So, but uh, as always, we appreciate everyone tuning in for the podcast, and we will talk to you next week right here on the MMA Report Podcast.